0: Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and this week I'm joined once again by Jackie and Matt, we had a few things to discuss, we were gifted with a new Mandalorian trailer, season two is so close you can feel it, but there is something that was casting a little bit of a pallor over it for me, and so we did chat about that. We also watched The Trial of the Chicago 7, which is a new film from Aaron Sorkin on Netflix, and the synopsis is, what was intended to be a peaceful protest at the 1968 Democratic National Convention turned into a violent clash with the police and the National Guard. The organizers of the protest, including Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Tom Hayden, and Bobby Seal, were. Charged with conspiracy to incite a riot, and the trial that followed was one of the most notorious in history. Following that, we watched the new Blackpink documentary, also on Netflix, called Blackpink Light Up the Sky. That documentary is about since their debut in August 2016. Blackpink has become the highest-charting female K-pop group of all time with their innovative music, eye-popping music videos, and internet-breaking fashion concepts. Blackpink Light Up the Sky serves up the never-before-seen moments that Blackpink's global fandom, known as Blinks, have been craving for years. And then finally we did something a little bit different this week. We watched a slightly older film. It came out earlier this year in 2020. It was probably one of the last films you could have seen in theaters. We watched the 2020 remake of The Invisible Man. And that description is the unseen maniac of the Universal Monsters canon returns to the invisible life in this frightening 2020 reboot. Golden Globe winner Elizabeth Moss stars as a young woman who escapes her abusive relationship with an optics engineer, only to have him fake his death and return as the titular terror who makes his sole mission to terrorize her. That's too many terrors in a row. We watched this this week because I am very vocal about how I do not like horror movies because I get very scared by them. Matt absolutely loves them. Jackie likes them a lot. I don't think either of us love them as much as Matt does. But in a concession to spooky season and since it felt thematic, I said, okay, fine, I'll watch... The Invisible Man. We go into pretty in-depth spoilers for all three films this week. The Blackpink documentary, that matters a little bit less for. I don't think there's anything major that we talk about that would take away from your viewing experience, but in terms of our discussion, it would be pretty important for you to have seen Invisible Man, or at least have read about the premise and sort of the update and the twists and turns there, because otherwise you're gonna be very confused. And for Trial of the Chicago 7, if you haven't seen it yet, maybe you wanna skip ahead to the next films and then come back to that when you've seen the film. Either way, excited to talk about all the films, and here's, we're watching what? We were gifted a new Mandalorian trailer. How do we feel? What a gift. What a gift.
1: I'm loving it. I still, I mean, obviously it's shorter. So it's less content, but the first trailer of first season two that got dropped, it still gives me chills when I watch it. I don't know, that one is like, does it for me, totally, And I loved this new one too, but I wasn't quite standing up giving it an ovation like I was the first one. <laughs> yeah. I
2: will say I'm pretty excited. We get to s- interact with characters we know. So my main complaint from the first season is that we get introduced to all these cool characters and then we just leave them behind. So I'm pretty stoked that we get to maybe spend some more time with some cool folks.
1: Yeah, it's a lot more buddy than the first one, it, you know, when dealing with Cara Dune and, and uh, I can't remember the other guy's name at the moment right now. But, you know, as far as like it is I'm making- sure it why happens. we
2: trust him to be honest, but here we go.
1: Well, well, I mean, I feel like he kind of, I felt like he got some good redemption later in season one night, you know. You know, when you look at everything to do with the ending of that season and kind of how everything in uh, port IG-11 and all that, I felt like at that point would have been when they're, you know, they're being held up. And I feel like that would have been like the point where he really has to show his true colors. I feel like I'm trusting him, but we'll see. it would be kind of cool if he was naughty.
0: <laughs> so my big thing with it is, and this is sort of the narrative outside of the show that's impacting my love of the show, is we saw a lot of Gina Carano. I am struggling with Gina Carano as a person. And therefore it is sort of impacting my... Excitement for the show. And I hate that it's doing that, but at the same time, the stuff that they've talked about or that she is engaged in on social, there are worse people out there right now, but it's not great and I don't love it.
1: Can you give me a little little I lesson on Gina? I, I'm not. I familiar. had to
0: look it up beforehand because I was like, "What was it again?" So there were there have been a couple things. Uh, she's been resharing some anti-mask stuff. She at one point put out a call for businesses and churches to reopen. You know, it, it, she said the world is open, but no one is allowed to work. Working is a right you as an American have. It gives us purpose, focus, pride, and more importantly, a way to support the ones we love. People dropping like flies from depression and suicide overdoses, murder. Enough already. Like, uh, not great, um, and then there was a the thing where, she a, yeah, she well, she also shared a photo of gosh, she shared a photo from a Nazi rally and had an explanation for it, but you're still sharing a photo from a Nazi rally, right? And people can't see, but Matt's face right now is bugging out. Well,
1: but uh, oh,
0: yeah, so her, her excuse was she's trying to share the story of a person, there's one person in the crowd who's sort of crossing their arms and not do saluting, but I'm like, that's not apparent from this. It's just, it's not, it's not great, it's not a great look it's an uninformed look and I am willing to look past it for people who are willing to learn, but I feel like she is sort of doubling down more often than not.
1: So far, yeah.
0: And then there was this whole controversy where she put as her quote pronouns in her profile, she put beep, bop, boop, which is, could but be worse. Like,
1: but she's mocking just,
0: the idea of putting your pronouns. It in could the be
1: worse, but it absolutely should be better. And so right. I just think that that's absolutely valid. And I, it's, it's upsetting because you know, I'm, we're talking about it in, I mean, it's upsetting in general for anyone to be doing that, but like it's affecting something that we love or that we want to love. And so while that's very first world of us, it's very, it still sucks because it's, I don't know, personally, aside from my beloved IG-11 from season one, like she was probably the next.
0: I really enjoyed um, her character. I liked having her there. I thought she was a strong female lead. <laughs>
1: like a protagonist character, like, you know, because I'm always much more of an antagonist guy, but like from the protagonist side of things, she would be the the third in line of who I or I guess the second in line of who I wanted to see more of. As right. And as I the,
0: think it's also possibly yeah. because her, her character, the character has sort of moral ambiguity, right? Like they are not yeah. a super Paragon good character, the same with Mandalorian, yeah. right? Like we, that's why yeah. we like these characters.
1: She's literally my Natasha Romanoff character, like dancing on the line of what's right and wrong and kind of having been on both sides of things. In, a, in an interest, I like that about her.
0: Right. And it, it makes me really struggle with the whole thing. And so just to read her response to uh, the, the pronouns thing, she said, yes. This is in a tweet. Yes, Pedro and I spoke, obviously Pedro Pascal of Mandalorian. Uh, Pedro and I spoke, and he helped me understand why people were putting them in bios, referring to pronouns. I didn't know before, but I do now. I won't be putting them in my bio, but good for all of you who choose to. I stand against bullying, especially the most vulnerable, and freedom to choose 100% emoji.
1: (sighs) So she removed them. She removed them, but but she
0: didn't put she, her, hers, or whatever her pronouns are. Maybe those aren't hers.
1: Yeah. Well, and and it's one thing, the thing is, is you could remove it and kind of say, I understand it and like kind of support for anyone who's doing that. But also to kind of say, I won't be putting them in mine. Again, it's, this is a choice. I don't, I don't have pronouns in mine. I I could add them, but I don't, but I I guess that's not like a conscious decision to be like, oh, I'm not doing that. I just have thought to do it, I guess. But to kind of proclaim, I won't be doing it in mine can kind of come across as kind of like whatever floats your boat. I don't know. It, well, it basically, to I, me,
0: it's saying it's yeah. not normalized behavior, right? It's saying, I'm, I'm not yeah. required to do that, but if you do it, that puts you as other, and I don't appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's problematic. It's, it's And it's, sometimes it's yeah. the kind of way where you just want... And I I get also, we've all, I've learned over the years, I've done and said certain things that I'm like, sheesh, man, if I was on a public platform and that was just public like, man, I might be crucified for it. And I didn't even think of it that way or know this way or that. And it's about learning and kind of moving forward. And with some of these celebrities and people that are in the spotlight, there's that part of the people that get away with so much worse than this because they're not on a playing field where they're just going to get canceled by thousands of people, as they say but then it's like you just want them to stop talking Like just be quiet like like <laughs> correct your wrongs as much as you can but then just stop stop don't double down don't don't it's hard
2: i think she had taken out the one line that's like i'm not gonna do that for some reason that rubbed me, exactly.
1: me. that's the, the one
2: point, it was fine you know what I mean? She didn't have to point out that she wasn't going to do it.
1: Like I it that's what I mean, is the pointing out that she's not going to do it still kind of is like, like Dana, you, like, oh, I'm still separate from you guys that are doing that. But, you know, I if you want to do it, I support you. I don't, I'm not a bully.
2: It, to be fair to her, it's not the JKR level
0: of doubling down on the no. whole situation. So well, she we're forever is-
1: ruined by that level. Like, well, okay.
0: yeah, no, so- it's not the doubling down, but she has certainly, she was replying to the replies and wasn't great. Right. Ugh, I can't believe it. I'm not going to defend the behavior, but I'm saying I could understand how you are feeling attacked. That's not the easiest place to come to a place of learning from, right? When you're getting all mm-hmm. of this input, that's something that you don't inherently understand. And so your first reaction is to lash out and be defensive and say stupid things. The
1: internet is a brutal place and people come at you and you're just like angry. And like I said, I mentioned cancel before cancel culture. I just think is so toxic and awful. And it's just this thing where it's like, we don't care about how we're going to affect somebody else and something upsets you. So you just go attack them from behind your screen and it's not right. And so I, I, again, I haven't gone down the deep dive of this yet. I will probably after we talk, but I, um, so I haven't seen the level of how people respond to her, but yes, people get on the defensive when they're called out about things. And so, yes, you can kind of see that side of it where, you know, you, you get on the defensive you're like, Hey, I'm actually, I consider myself actually a really good person. and I have this and that going for me and you just are looking at this one thing and deciding that I'm the scum of the earth all of a sudden. You know, so it's that kind of-
2: Well, I guess what we need to do is normalize changing your mind.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes, totally
2: fine to change your mind. And the thing is, I had some terrible opinions when I was in high school, I'll be very honest. I said some probably pretty hurtful things about things I didn't understand, right? Have I learned? Absolutely. Am I always learning? Yes. Is it bad that I had those opinions? Not really. It was just uninformed. And when I did find out, I changed my behavior and I changed how I thought about it, right? And so normalizing the ability to change your mind and be open to suggestion is something that like we really need to work on. Yeah.
1: Right. It's multifaceted. I, I agree with that a hundred percent. The capacity to change your mind or your opinion that you had based on getting new information and being taught is important. But then I also the capacity that we are delivering the information is also important. So it's that kind of thing where it's, that's the ultimate thing is we do need to normalize that, but people need to be kinder as well.
0: Yeah. They do. yeah. I think her, I, I allow for the idea that hopefully she will grow from this experience. And I, acknowledge that it's a tough way to have to learn that experience but I will just say as an audience member it is something that endears me less to her as a person and is going to impact Funny. my viewing of the show and that's not something that Disney could have well I mean maybe Disney could have known I there are there are plenty of ca- casting decisions that I'm like you knew this this person was a scumbag and you've doubled down and I think
1: I won't name any names
0: I'll name names <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like honestly, when the
2: show gets huge, you can just hire them all social media managers and take away, you know what I mean? That
0: is, that's absolutely another thing is that, uh, I'd say there's something to be said for celebrities knowing when to stop themselves and ask for help. And I think the challenge of, we, I mean, we talk about social media a lot is that it, it makes it accessible and it's sort of trigger finger, right? It's just reactive. It's, well, you've tweeted at me, so I'm going to tweet back at you, et cetera. And there's so much to be said about just taking a moment taking a breath and bringing in mm-hmm. someone who's an expert or just don't say anything just, like to Jackie's point. Just, just, just both your points. Just, just stop talking. Just stop talking yeah. for a second.
1: Well, and to your so, celebrities, yes, but it's like having an actual social media guide, guide or mentor or manager is something that, all of us as people could benefit from, I'm sure, because it's like social media provides us a place to just say our unfiltered thoughts without too much consequence from like, you know, altercation in person with somebody. You just have to say whatever you want, you're, you know, behind your keyboard or whatever. And so yeah, it's an interesting to see someone like her. She's been around and obviously it, correct me if her mom, but from MMA background, mm-hmm. she's been around in different spotlights for years, but kind of I'm guessing her celebrity um, is on the rise much more now with Mandalorian than it had been before. So yeah, she's kind of getting into new territory here where you do really actually need to start really paying attention (laughs) a lot more and controversial things like that aren't going to fly with this fan base nearly as much as they might have with an MMA fan base.
0: Right. And then I guess there is something to be said for, well, you know what? It is your personal social media. If this is what you believe, maybe better we know up front, right? Maybe we've better we know (laughs) before.
1: Say your truth on social. Because I'd almost, to that point, you know, selfishly I'm upset thinking that it's going to make me sad to watch her on the show more. But at the same time, it would be better if she really thought these things, but she was just being so filtered on social and we're just watching this person who's actually kind of bigoted all these years or whatever forever and never changing their mind or whatever. It's like, it's like what? You know what's worse? Yeah, I think I think your <laughs> no. brain
0: breaks even more, right? Like, look at like a Bill Cosby, for example. You know the the or like a Michael Jackson, it's or, or like Roman Polanski, I guess. You know, is all these monsters. I'm not saying that what she has done is that level, but I'm saying you have this career that spans however long. You hide all these things in the closet, and then we all build up an affinity for you, and then suddenly all this news comes out, and it's just like, what? Am I? I don't. Am I like I'm, Am I still allowed to like Michael Jackson's music? I don't. I don't know what to do here. And so maybe right. knowing it. Up front means at least okay I can start to build those mental barriers of okay this character might be one thing that I enjoy but you as an actress is not somebody who I want to associate with or you as a person yeah. not an actress you as a person is not somebody who I admire or need to deal with or support. Yeah. yeah
1: no and that and also to that point as fanboys and girls here it's something where if we found out that John Favreau something terrible came out about John Favreau that might affect on a deeper level than a supporting character on the show, if that makes sense. To where watching something where I am watching your art versus I'm watching you're a part of this and you are, your art is in this larger thing. And it's kind of a thing where, yeah, it affects kind of how I might feel about her watching her, but overall doesn't mean I don't want to support the show. Right. kind of differentiated there too, which is, is hopeful. I feel like
0: Jon Favreau definitely has some skeletons in some closet somewhere. Cause I'm like,
1: (laughs) not not (laughs) like
0: terrible skeletons. I'm like, that dude made swingers. Like, come on, you know, like he's not squeaky clean. And not not that you have to be squeaky clean to be involved with the House of Mouse, but it it is, I'm like, I bet you there's, I bet you there's some like dark info somewhere. (laughs) Oh, do you guys ever watch his chef show
2: on Netflix?
1: I saw it um, a little bit recently. I remember it's funny because when I first saw it, I thought, "Because do you remember the movie? I think it was called Chef with
2: yeah. Scarlett Johansson." Is it Scarlett Johansson? It spawned from that because basically. Oh, okay. He made friendship with this with Roy Choi, and so Roy Choi was teaching him stuff, and so then it started him on this like chef journey. And so it's a really fun, easy watch if you're looking for something like that. But he has all these director friends on the show, yeah. teaching how to make what they know how to make, and or they they go together with another chef and they do stuff. And there was a very famous one which you probably might have heard of, where Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't remember that she was in one of the Marvel movies. Oh yeah, I saw, I've I've seen like yeah. clips from so like that's that show, but it's it's on Netflix. It's really easy to watch. It's it's fun, and he's like just interacting with a bunch of famous chefs and famous people in general are on the show, and oh, okay. they're like, they can do stuff. And it's, it's fun.
0: I think I saw the Tom Holland Robert Downey Jr. I saw that, like, parts of that one. Like, oh, okay. Kevin Feige was there. Also, Garjo is in Chef, as is Sofia Vergara.
1: Okay, I kind of remember Sofia. I mean, I haven't seen this since it came out, but okay, good to know.
0: I just remember that it was it was women who were way out of his league, right? And I was like, this is such, <laughs> like, a male fulfillment. Like, I'm gonna be a chef, and I'm gonna get Scarlett Johansson.
1: <laughs> I wonder if that was before or after Iron Man, too. Good so I wonder...
0: I don't
2: remember, but yeah. but the show is really cute. If you guys are looking for something,
1: yeah, no, that's, that's a good thing. Like, I know.
2: it's something to have on while you're scrolling through social media. It's fun. They go yeah. to Skywalker Ranch at one
0: point. Ooh, oh, okay. well, aren't they lucky? <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, let's be honest. At least w- to outweigh the Gina Grano, we at least get Baby Yoda, right? Like that will be. The, the, I will say I got my mom a Baby Yoda figure just because I knew she would try and take mine and all she would chant, she just started chanting Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda, Baby Yoda. So at least <laughs> some people are excited for it. and She's like not a toy person, so.
1: One thing I will say that actually, sorry not to even like digress again, but just I was looking at the directors for season two and I'm actually kind of really sad that Deborah Chow's not directing because I realized on my recent rewatch of Mandalorian that she did my two favorite episodes. Oh, she the did the
0: best work. I do, I'm hoping yeah. it is because she's but working on her, her own want. stuff. You're right,
1: don't be one. So I'm hoping that she's like a big thing on that. But I was kind of sad because I was like, oh, Deborah Shaw, should destroy all these. But anyway.
0: Agreed. Agreed. So speaking of other things we watched this week, Trial of the Chicago Seven on Netflix, Aaron Sorkin back in the director's chair, as well as writing. What did we think? Has he directed before? I don't even know. This actually. is his second, and his last one was yeah. Molly's Game.
1: Molly's Game, I was gonna say. I, With yeah, Jessica I mean, Chastain.
0: Yeah. It was not great. The thing is, I actually, I liked it, and I...
2: Yeah I liked Molly's Game but oh, okay. I haven't seen it since so I guess that speaks to how much I liked it. I had
1: this Christmas where I I just I went to three movies in one day so I was just having like a moody Christmas and I watched Hitch Perfect 3 and then I watched The Greatest Showman and then I watched Molly's Game and so I don't but I remember coming out of Molly's Game and being like oh I like that.
2: <laughs> that's that's, that's- have a vague. I liked that that's all,
0: that's all I remember really
1: but I don't even remember the story to be honest <laughs> right
0: so Molly's game to me was fine. But the fact that they hyped it up as, oh, it's Aaron Sorkin's directorial debut, blah, blah, blah. I think they overset their expectations. I think yeah. maybe if it had been somebody else's directorial debut, it would be like, oh, okay, this is not bad. It's fine. It's not bad. But it was nothing to write home about. And the fact that this was his big yeah. kind of moment, I was like, oh, all right. Okay. But you know,
2: I love an Aaron Sorkin trial. I think he does. I think he does good work trials. A Few Good Men is one of my favorite movies of all time. I love it. And I know he didn't direct it, but he wrote it. So, but yeah, I liked this,
1: I thought it was good. Yeah, I, I liked it okay, I actually didn't love it like the rest of the world seems to be loving it though. But I I I did like oh, it. I thought the writing, of course, I mean, it's like he writes something and you can just, you just know he wrote it. Like he's just, you know, yeah. it's just in the style and everything and it's the pacing. He does this
2: pacing. Exactly.
1: Like- and then the, the quick retorts and like, just kind of back and forth and stuff like that. You just can tell. So it's hard to say whether I think, oh, it's so much stronger because he directed it or if it could have been stronger if someone else directed it. I think the writing was obviously very strong. I think for me, I knew some of the backstory here, but honestly, not as much as I probably should know about it to the point where backstory being like the story it's actually based on, you know, the truth. And I I um, know
0: nothing about it. I have no idea.
1: I mean, I, I knew like little things here and there, but not Okay, I thought maybe more, more people knew about it. And I was like, gosh, I don't know about this, which is the point of the movie, yeah, I get that. And I, but I found while watching it that I think I would have cared more. And we're talking spoilers here, as we always have to give our little spoilery yep. thing. I think I would have cared more about each of these people had I already known everything that happened while they're in the trial, but the way that it was structured and we had to watch so much of things in trial while we are then learning about things that happened. It's creative that it was structured that way, but it kind of, it picked up stamina in the last like half hour for me in a, uh, in a big way that I felt was kind of lacking for a lot of the beginning two hours almost of it. Or not oh, like an hour and a half, I guess, you know. I'll
2: agree that it was a little slow at the beginning and then I was more on my phone in the beginning of this movie Honestly, and then towards the end, I think it wrapped up really well. So, I think Mm -hmm. if you have a strong ending, I usually am like, Oh, okay. I will say that, like, and I don't, I will have to look into it because I'm not really sure. But the judge was just so comically,
0: he was
1: almost in a bad, frustrating way.
0: It was a little, I
1: was like, Is this true? (laughs) Like, was it really like. Like, I, got sense, actually- I
0: got the sense that that was probably the truest part, right? And I think that's because it was, yeah. it was also the most frustrating part, but I would not be surprised if that was the most accurate portrayal in the entire thing. Which right, was-
1: which, which that's sad and crazy. Uh, I will say as well, I love him, but I wasn't really buying uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in his role. No. i thought they needed someone a little stronger i I, lo- I do really like him and i think that he's a strong actor but i almost think he would have been better off as and i get they wanted to kind of play into the fact that he wasn't all bad if you will if you're you know like that he wasn't all he was he he has conflicted about what's happening a bit and then you see kind of at the end that while he does bad things he still kind of is not completely lost in his head about importance of stuff but I, I felt that he would have done better as being cast as one of the seven <laughs> you know what i mean? in this. In this
2: I, he just he just didn't have the I'm sorry, I love him too, but I just don't see him as
0: a great legal mind, you know. And he's
1: intimidating trying- at all. And and you know, yeah. players need to be intimidating. So it just was I it was think, just I kind think of he little-
0: always comes off as boyish to me, and it's just because mm-hmm. I've been watching his career so long and to his credit, effervescence. You know, he is young looking, he's almost okay. forty. I think good he's math. a really good actor, <laughs> but I think you needed somebody maybe a little more grizzled in this who yeah. would have been I just didn't feel old enough. Which yeah. Is, and like you said, he's almost forty, so he should
2: be old enough. It just didn't right. feel he didn't have that. Kim walking his kids in the park, it just felt like what? You
0: have kids? I know. I was like, you you just, just babies, babies having babies over here. Like, <laughs> I wonder. Like, are you old enough for that? Like, it just right. felt
1: really bizarre. And of course, we hope that they, they are casting for kind of accuracy with ages and things like that. But if the attorneys had been switched, if their roles had been switched. I do. I think that would, it would have made more sense, <laughs> you know, like because I loved. I can't remember his name, but I loved the. I loved the actor who. Mark was Rylance. My, yeah, Mark Rylance, and it, but if he had been, it would have felt more okay. This this is real, but yeah, I thought I thought the performances overall you know aside aside from the fact that I didn't really buy him I think it's just who. It, it, again we're talking about he looks young and he's Joseph Gordon-Levitt but he did a good job mm-hmm. performing his lines and stuff and I thought that everybody was pretty strong throughout uh in, in a good way I kind of left it like okay I like that but I don't know that I'll ever see myself really going to jump to watch it again
0: yeah I love that Sasha Baron Cohen can't hold the Boston accent that was I think the funniest no. part of the movie <laughs> yeah. to me I love him I think he I think he does a good job in that role, but you could tell he had moments where he just was slipping and it's just like, All right? whatever.
1: <laughs> we like, what? But- I yeah. it
2: was good. Although I really, I really enjoy the like, I liked the flip of the script at the end, you know, when it's like this joker, but he's really intelligent and he's really, yeah. you know, the one who you can count on.
0: Yeah, he's thoughtful. I said this in my like short review, but I think once they got, Done with the Black Panther storyline. I feel like they were trying to rush to get that done, which sucks. But it's also like, okay, well, you can't tell this story without including that information. But I feel like Sorkin really wanted to focus on the trial of the seven and spent too much time trying to deal with this whole race setup thing that is because the Black Panthers were included in you know the whole king caboodle. And so it's complicated. And I was like, once he
1: Just perhaps the biggest injustice of all of it. Sorry, I was like, so that you'd think that they'd want to kind of amp that up more because that was just such an injustice. You know right.
0: I- absolutely. But I think you either have to make it longer and focus more on that, or you have to wrap it up more quickly but i think he split too much time between the two and then he was suddenly like okay that's we've we've taken care of that act basically moving on to the next and then sort of cleared his mind and was able to get to his sort of more sorkin-y i think the second half of the film had a better vision for itself
1: well and to that point you know with the black panther surrounding you were saying with the way the focus was all kind of what was happening here i think that also aided in exactly why by the time we're then focusing on the seven more I was like, we're how far into this film? And I still don't even actually know exactly what happened, like what they did, what, who, what, who did like, you know, like, yeah. And so that part was a little, even if you didn't want to show us the actual events of how it went down until the end, I know they mentioned here and there things, but I still was kind of unclear. I know there was rioting, but kind of unclear about like exactly what. Well,
2: he's always trying to push an envelope or whatever, but it would have been nice to have, you're supposed to show us the in sequence and mm-hmm okay don't show us who started the riot right because that's obviously like the big reveal or whatever yeah they show us the footage of them on them the hill or whatever running towards each other bloody right? That would have added,
0: I think, gravity to it, right? Because then we understand, like, why... then I'm that- like,
1: well, I really want to know what happened. but Yeah, I- you can use I it just just to
0: confuse just... us, too, right? Like, you can play right. into that, like, discomfort and be like, oh, like who started the it? The battle part of it, because I was like, well, how bad was this riot? What do we... Was it just
2: destruction? Did people die? You know what I mean? Like, what happened? You know, like, why are we bothering?
0: I do wonder if it's aimed at basically an older audience, and so somebody who might be more familiar with that and be like, oh, I know exactly what they're referring to. You know, I remember the, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I do think someone will make a movie like this someday about 2020. Somebody will do the Breonna Taylor trial or someone will do the George Floyd story like and this. And we'll be
1: dialed in the whole time and we'll just get it. And we'll be like <laughs> you know it's true. it <laughs> will be like, oh yeah, I
0: know exactly. You know, they'll say like a name and we'll be like, oh yeah, of course, of course there were riots in the streets and there should have been. Yeah. Exa- so the history right. repeats.
1: And the um, young people won't get it. And they'll be like saying what we're saying right now. And we'll be yeah. like, well, not for you. You don't get it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did your kids learn this in school yeah.
1: right yeah. that's that 's very very true, yeah, but I thought overall, like I said, I left with an understanding of what happened by the end of it, and I thought it was an effective film. I just wanted to be a little because. Part of what I guess, you know, with Aaron Sorkin's writing is that like the the style of writing and like the way he is able to craft scenes, it keeps you on the edge of your seat in ways that like a lot of times about subjects that I don't necessarily know that I care about sometimes. For example, the first, I mean, I'll say the first season, but I really, really enjoyed Newsroom when it was like hot when it first came out. I loved that show and it was so some of the topics they're covering I didn't care about but it was so just like it, the way it was it was the writing and it, you know it was a lot of things so I, I was sad that that didn't feel that way to me here like you were saying did
0: you ever watch West Wing Yeah,
1: so I was West Wing I, and West Wing's great as well yeah, I of have not, not seen
0: what I'm not a West Wing person i know i know i've seen have you never seen it or you just don't like it oh i've seen one episode maybe i saw like a turkey pardoning episode okay that was really funny it was a good episode but i i just it's it's <laughs> thinks they're gonna eat her it's one of those things where it's so intimidating because there's so many seasons of it and it's just it's so intense right and i'm just like i am never i don't feel like i'm in the mood to be like look you know at what i should do today especially in the climate we're living in sit down and watch like no. 10 seasons of this very intense political show like five seasons and only four of them are good so. okay yeah. well i mean even so it's just it's it's but what i will say
2: is it is sort of a bomb to this current situation because it's a president who you would actually like admire and like believe in so in some ways it it's not heavy in the same
0: way but I need to be on the other side first and then I can start dealing with, but I've also been saying this for years, you know, even during like the Obama presidency, I'd be like, I just can't deal with West Wing right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah. very true. But it's just our, I mean, our political climate is so heavy and it's been heavy forever, but it's just that it's largely with what we're talking about social media stuff before, but largely it's just everything's so in our face all the times. So and there's so much going on that as we get older and we, we understand more, we're paying attention more and stuff, it's just life is heavy. Right. So sometimes, yeah, I get it, it can be, it can feel like a really big undertaking uh, to get into something like that.
0: I I think we talked about this recently and our viewing habits are being impacted by this and West Wing is not on that list of things that I'm emotionally (laughs) capable of handling right
1: now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But actually, something, something that did bring me joy and I think was surprisingly refreshing and something I knew, I know absolutely nothing about was the Blackpink documentary.
1: I didn't even know what was
0: happening. I I didn't know what was happening.
2: (laughs) Well, the thing is, is like, I, they actually, well, Netflix knows me well enough because I've been a Netflix subscriber forever. And I actually refuse to give out my password because I don't want them to fuck with my algorithm algorithm because I have had it for so long and I don't trust anyone to use their own profiles. So anyway, they auto-played a trailer when I went on one time and it was like, oh my God. Because I remember, I actually hadn't heard of Blackpink until Coachella. And I remember all this hoopla around this K-pop group that performed at Coachella and they were named Blackpink. And And I looked it up and I started listening to the music and I actually really enjoyed it. Like I don't listen to it on a very regular basis, I'll be honest, but I liked what I heard.
0: Do you listen to other K-pop groups or do you just listen to Blackpink? No. Just Blackpink.
1: I've never. That's what's so funny pink. is I. So I actually grew somewhat familiar with K-pop back in like 2010, 2011, and I was working at IGN and we were doing live esports events and we mm. K-pop was so huge in the community huge international audience but also just I mean it, it, I know, it was just a huge thing in the community and that's when I learned about what k-pop really was we would have these live streaming events and in between the games we just had uh yg and all these different kinds of labels they would just be sending us the, the hottest k-pop music videos to play in between so I saw all these k-pop videos and all these and I was like oh my god this is just like a whole vibe and everything Blackpink the Coachella thing I was like man maybe I should have heard about this and known about this I don't even remember seeing anything about it, honestly. I learned about Blackpink this year because they were featured on one of my favorite Lady Gaga songs on her Chromatica album, which is Sour Candy. Like literally, and I was like, oh, Blackpink. And I was like, oh, I wonder who that, I wonder who she is. And I looked them up and saw it was a group. So that, that's my experience.
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like I may, I, I feel like if I've heard about them, I've kind of dumped it from my memory banks, right? I, and not in a bad way, not just, I just, yeah. hip-hop is not something I listen to and it's not something that I, I, I think some of them are catchy. You know, I watched the BTS Tiny Desk concert because I was like okay maybe if I like sit down and watch this I'll have a better understanding of what everyone's just going bonkers over I don't feel like I came out of it much more enlightened I do feel like I am more enlightened about k-pop and and I like the line there was a line in the documentary being like why are we calling it k-pop it's just pop it's korean it's pop from Korea, much like pop from the US or pop from other countries. Why are they not called Brit pop? Which I, I guess it actually sort of was. I mean, like America pop or something like that. So I, I agree with their, the producer there. But I was like, oh, I feel like I have a better understanding of what this industry is and how they create this fervor around these people. I don't know if these fans actually are, would naturally be fans, but I think that they've been conditioned to be like, oh, I like this group because they have been spoon fed to me by this machine that understands music and audiences so well. And I was like, okay, I get it now. I get it. You are, well, you are crafted.
1: Yeah. What I really found interesting about the doc, and I actually, I enjoyed the doc. Uh, fully through I really enjoyed it thought it was super fun wouldn't have necessarily watched it had we not decided to watch it. So I was glad I did. However, the whole way that these groups are formed and seeing that part of it and the training they kept talking about and the very limited footage we were allowed to kind of see we saw lots of footage, but it was all rehearsals and things like that. Yeah. And they're talking about being in training for this many years. It kind of sparked this thing. And maybe it's just like the dark person inside of me. But I feel like if that was something happening in America, there would be this whole story behind it about this is a bad place and all this kind of thing. Because it's just like they've taken what we've done to our pop stars here. They franchised it in a way. And If you if you like, they've made it an actual organized thing where you actually go, you get accepted in and you are training, training, training and hoping to emerge and be invited to be a part of one of these groups. You know what I mean? Whereas like, well, it's interesting in that way, you know? Like, it
2: was like, they obviously didn't go much into the training, except for they they clearly said they only got one day off every two weeks.
1: It felt kind of militant. It was
2: like, they were the children though. They were children. children. They were doing this. They were 15, 16, you know. Talking about
1: how I wish I had my high school years and stuff like that. And it made me kind of sad. And I was considering these, you know, they're all kind of early 20s now and they're doing this I hope this isn't the case but it makes me feel like man are they going to get to be mid-30s early 40s or look back and kind of feel that they were robbed of their childhoods similarly to how a lot of child stars and pop stars things in America and all over the world feel but it's just interesting because it's a thing where you go into this machine if you will and hope that you come out the the doll that they want you to be you know what's interesting
2: interesting to me though is they still live in a dorm together Mm -hmm. so they are still controlled by this entity right they're clearly making a ton of money but are they just getting salaries, how much of this does it actually do the profit yeah. get, right? That's a good question. I mm-hmm. think they might just be employees of this company. And obviously they should be making enough money that they can get their own houses or own apartments in Seoul. And maybe they would choose not to, but they mm-hmm. were clearly still living in a dorm together when they have all the money. So, yeah. or they should have all the money, right? I'm not saying that they're not getting paid fairly. I have no idea. But it just kind of made me think that like, oh my God, what? how much of this do they actually own? because they are taken in very young. They are trained for several, most of them are trained five or six years, only one day off every two weeks. I mean, they're helping write their music now, it sounds like, but-
1: Or are they, I know that they were, she was kind of saw a little bit, but it felt very like they were kind of just, like a lot of our pop stars kind of just given the material to say, hey, do this. And like, they work with them and make it their own kind of, but like, here's what we're singing today. It felt kind of like that to me. And then I saw they were kind of starting to try to contribute more a little bit down the line. I, I, and to that point you're saying, I wondered about their own personal styles and things like that, because they all had kind of a very different little distinct thing about each of their style. And when you look at their, obviously I couldn't tell you when I was in my early twenties versus when I was 15 years old, the differences in how I dressed and acted and whatever, but when you look at like the audition videos and things like that, and you look at some of them, I, gosh, I'm like blanking on all the names. I know one was named Rose, which was my favorite because I, I it. But, <laughs> but 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 uh, someone was kind of oh, it was
0: Lisa. Uh, was it Lisa?
1: Yes, and she was edgier and yeah. kind of like she was singing the weekend and getting kind of a dark vibe, and and she ended up being my favorite as a per. I just I adored her. I thought as a person and just everything, she was definitely my favorite member. Uh, I just was like looking at that and kind of saying, oh. And then you come out, and then they have their own little distinctions in their styles, but it's very much kind of what you can imagine the record label wants them to look like and act like and be like.
0: I think there's a couple of things y'all said that I want to touch on. So one, I don't think they have to wait till they're older to lament missing their childhoods. They already said that they missed out on things, but I think they seemed very pragmatic about understanding that time is limited. Your moment in the spotlight is your moment in the spotlight. They were going to work very hard and take advantage of it. I think they know how one of the weird kind of good things about being in this weird training system is that they understand how competitive it is, right? What is the difference between this sort of Korean grooming system for pop stars and our free-for-all system in America, right? I don't think there's a good or a bad, like I don't think they're apples to apples, but I think it's here you have these stage moms and the internet famousness and the next person could be discovered off of YouTube, whereas there they're saying, okay, well, we're gonna give you training, we're gonna do whatever, and you might make it still. It's about, it feels like about even odds in terms of your chances oh, at succeeding so
1: yeah.
0: who's to I say that, that that approach isn't better
1: oh no yeah no i wasn't meaning that as much as i thought it was just so fascinating to see that like they've made it a business like it's an industry to like we are churning out stars well like, but you know, but here people. we
0: went through it we just went through it in the early 90s right like the backstreet boys in yeah. sync uh, yeah. you know all of those groups are productions of some sort of corporation somewhere i think i mean look at the spice girls right like that's my right. one of my favorite bands of all time and we forget that they didn't as as much as Spice World the movie would like us to believe, they were not friends before. They were a manufactured pop group. And they were told to dress certain ways and they all had their own personalities within that group, but it was being prescribed like, okay, you're going to dress this way and you're going to dress that way. And there's a certain look to the group and you're going to dress within the confines of that. So we have been seeing this for, and you know, go back even further, go back to the seventies, go back to like ABBA and stuff like that. We've just been seeing this in different forms. I feel like the fervor around the K-pop groups, though, is next level for me, but maybe I'm just getting old and...
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I felt, it felt and maybe to that point because I totally agree with all that. I think that I maybe we just, I just haven't seen an expose on how we do it quite like this. That was so focused on just this is how we do it, and we're not talking about if there are any uh, implications, uh, negative implications of doing things this way. We see in the girls whether we think maybe there are or not based on how they're acting and how they're talking and saying, you know, you know, lamenting childhood things like that. But I would be used if that was a, something that was coming out now it would be about a pop star you know like poor britney or somebody like that and it would be kind of watching where it all went wrong versus just like hey look at the happy-go-lucky this is all how it goes it's like this is how we do it so i just haven't seen that kind of an expose well right so, I- so we're we're right. also
0: seeing we're seeing the success story we're seeing one of the top success stories yes. what we're not right. seeing is the stories of all the kids who get cut right yes. and like what are they doing when they, well, they
2: were like they would talk about how like their yeah. friends, he would have one friend leave a month, you know, yeah. but it's like you were saying too. And I was thinking about this, you know, at least from head competitive sports sort of side because I was part of that world for a little while was learning the level of determination that you have to have to succeed. Mm-hmm. Right. And like the level of commitment that you really have to have to succeed in those at that level, right. That elite level, right. How much you really have to want it. Right. And when I say want it, like actually Do it. And these girls putting them through that kind of rigorous training and those kind of rigorous cuts, you know, you really find who's going to really be able to do it because it sounds really fun. It sounds amazing to be Taylor Swift or whoever. But if you think about the fact that they were on the road for nine months. right away from their families, just on transportation all the time and singing and dancing for two hours every night which is really hard to do it's intensive right it's super intensive by the time it's done they know that these people can do it yeah they know that if they make it they will be able to succeed
1: and i like that they that the girls talked about that like at least one of them was saying like i just wanted this and i didn't really think about what it would be like i just wanted it okay now i got it and then it's because there's that glitz and glam the celebrity all over the world is like this america we see it all the time with whether it's acting or singing whatever it is that as kids it's like yeah you want to grow up you want to be famous and i realize i'm now quoting the pussycat dolls and
2: actually,
1: I. Was <laughs> let me let me just sing that for you (laughs) no we can't
0: afford the rights
1: (laughs) but but you (laughs) want all that stuff and the glitz and glam that comes with it and then every single one I think after they get it will tell you that it's not what they thought it would be it's interesting perspective to kind of see that and something that kind of hit home in in a way that I appreciated I think it was maybe Rosé did was Rosé did she grow up in Australia? I think so. So she was talking about her dad got her into this and she wanted to get into it and then she's here and then she'd be having a hard time Then she'd call them crying, whatever, and that they would say, oh, we want you to come home, just come home. And she's like, and I hated that. And it's interesting because I was like, you know, as someone who moved away from my hometown, not very far, not, I didn't cross, you know, oceans, but moving away from my hometown to try to pursue something that is hard to get into career wise, you know, I've had moments of just want to talk to your mom or talk to her, and you're just like, Oh, well, this is so tough and everything. And like, you don't want them to say, come home. You want them to say, you want them just to build you up and be like, no, you can do it. And so I thought that was an interesting perspective. Even as a young, you know, she was teenager when that was happening, but she was still like that, which was the showed that she really did want it.
0: I think it's funny though, because I'm like, as, as a teenager, I think this is an international thing, right? I don't think it would have mattered what her parents said. I think they could have said come home or they could have said stick with it and she would have been upset at whatever
1: oh, they sorry. said
0: because she just feel like she just wanted to vent and, and was frustrated and they could have said, come home or they could have said like, no, you can do this. And she'd be like, no, I want to come home if they said like, you can do this. <laughs>
1: Right, 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 right. So, no but but
0: I, I I totally understand what you're saying about it is it's tough and there are sacrifices and yes these are first world sacrifices aggressively first world sacrifices but there is a cost and I do think that they were I'm surprised that they let them do this documentary honestly
1: I thought that too I really did because that like I was saying how I thought it was just in, an interesting expose on kind of how it's all done. There have to be people that are thinking in this way. They're like, okay, I now, now I want to see inside what it's like there. And we very intentionally only got to see that rehearsal room. We didn't see anything mm-hmm. else. It
2: sounds like they're trying to make Blackpink, and it sounds like Blackpink sort of already has, make Blackpink more worldwide, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So why not try a Netflix doc?
1: It could have been a lot more surface level too. And it could have just, just been about the tour. Because mm-hmm. we've, seen, we've seen that before. And so they could have done something like that. So it's interesting that they let us peel back a layer the way they did.
0: I will
2: say it's something that I really enjoyed about it was they kept talking, and this is, you know, white person perspective, but I really enjoyed it. They're like, oh yeah, the reason why they're so popular is because they have so many cultures together. And as a white woman, I would have looked at them and thought they were all Korean and that like, what are you talking about? Right. And then you find out that they're actually from different countries and they don't even necessarily all speak the same language. It, it, I mean, it sounds like they all know Korean at this point, but they started out maybe not even speaking the same language to each other. Right. I loved being able to see like, Hey, Asian folks can be from anywhere. Like, you, Surprise! Can't, you know, like <laughs> shockingly, they're not all from Asia, you know? And so I, I like that. Right. I think that that representation is
0: important and I would have never known that you know, much to my detriment, right? It's loosely tied to what we were talking about earlier and that there's nothing wrong with that as long as once you learn it, you're like, oh, okay, cool. I know this now. I think being open to learning is such an important thing and learning about different cultures or different gender identities, et cetera. It's just, that's what keeps us growing as people internally and so that's why I liked getting look at this and it was weird as an Asian person like okay I understand like you're Thai and you're Korean and you're Australian and it was interesting seeing them be able to form a super group like that right because there are often a lot of sort of inter-Asian prejudices.
1: That's where my my mind I was
0: surprised were over, not overlooked, but overcome in this. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, I, I'm impressed that this very Korean group was willing to take a Thai person who didn't necessarily speak Korean at the time. That's really cool of them. I think that's more a, a, a progression in thinking, which seems so base level, right? <laughs> but- Ali Wong, when she does her
2: stand-up and she calls Thai and Vietnamese jungle Asians, right? And there's like this whole thing about jungle Asians not being as good as proper Asians, right? Or whatever. And I remember that was, I mean, it's obviously a funny bit and, and, and things, but it was very eye-opening to me because I didn't realize, and of course there is because we all, humankind, we all do it to each other apparently, have uh, hierarchies and... Yeah. You we know, we're all racist <laughs> against everyone, apparently, in all different cultures.
0: Um I mean, I mean to quote Avenue Q, everyone's a little bit racist sometimes. Yeah. And, and so
1: class if- systems within every single culture and
0: yeah, and so it was interesting to, to see that. But, like, how
2: important, too, it was that she was Thai and, like, how much it meant to Thailand
0: fans, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a fascinating look. And I was wondering, is part of the reason that this is successful and this is just, like, personal ignorance, not ignorance, but just is part of the reason that this was going to be so successful as a documentary, not them as a group, is because three of them are fluent in English. I feel like BTS, there's like one or two of them that are fluent in English and it creates a barrier to entry, right? We've talked about it before. Subtitles do, it, it just requires a bit of view. And I think in terms of existing BTS fans, they would watch that documentary in a heartbeat. But would I watch it? Well, actually maybe I would because I'd be like, what is happening? I still sure, sure. don't fully understand.
1: <laughs> I think all of us, I think we would watch it if like, hey, we should watch this. I would watch it and be like, okay, cool. But I agree with you that it, it can turn people off.
2: Well and so I think that's what made Blackpink's music accessible when I was listening to it you know after Coachella was that some of it's in English you know what I mean like not everything right there's like Korean parts and you know whatever but there's decent amount of English in it so I did feel like I understand
0: yeah i was i was talking to my friend who uh, is korean and i was talking to her about k-pop i was like so the english bits correlate to the korean that comes before and after them right because like and it depends on the group and it depends on whoever i was like generally speaking as a rule and then she sent me this song that i mean the song made no sense it was literally listing days of the week and then it was saying these words were in english it was like latin girl mexican girl something girl I, you know it just it made no sense whatsoever in english in another language whatever at one point they kept saying mazel and i'm like That's, what does that have to do with the days of the week? I'm sure.
1: A couple of like the song, I forget, I I don't want to misquote it, but whatever, they were talking about certain song titles and one of them was a sound was the song title. It wasn't even like words. Oh
0: yeah, it was like bada boom or something like that, you
1: know. (laughs) And so like I got the impression and and you know, some of the K-pop I had seen in my esports days, some of that was going in between English and stuff as well every now and then. And yeah, some of it was just so almost just like incoherent to the point where I think it, it really is more just about the beat and the fun and the, and the, and the visuals of it all. More right. And no
0: judgment on it. You know, I think it's, some of it's very, very catchy and that's not to say that other types of music don't do it too. Right. I think. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah but I'm just, I don't know why, but like Mr. Worldwide and Pitbull and stuff just popped into my head. Like, it's just people who like spew random words at you, right. They yeah. I mean, like interject things into songs. I'm like, no judgment here, but it is, it was funny just being like, what are they saying right
1: there? Right. I'm not That's quite sure. Right. But yeah, I uplift, Uplifting Fun Watch. I, I had a good time with it.
0: Informative too. I felt it was informative. really informative.
1: I thought it was structured really nicely. I really loved, because at first things were kind of moving fast. And because I don't know them at all, I was like, wait, okay, which one are you? I don't know any, like it is. And yeah. then it separated it by name. And I think it started with Jenny and it just kind of went through and Jisoo and all. And it kind of, we, we saw them go through the different parts and introduce them then by the time you're launched into the next act of the film I'm like okay I know these girls now like so it was really yeah. smart the way they structured um, it they and I it- was
2: like I was like nervous for them when they were going on stage for Coachella I was like oh mm-hmm. god you know I hope well I'm yeah not but a it was show. it was
1: structured in a way that was for existing fans that just want all the info in the world but also for brand new people like me who know yeah. me nothing and so it, it really was a successfully made film in that respect and I, I gotta say them sitting in the movie theater together watching their audition stuff I loved all that stuff I thought it was so fun so cute like I love the way they Genuinely seem like, to really like each other, love
2: yeah, each other, really fun really, of each other. You're like, look at your outfit.
1: What are you wearing? Yeah. <laughs> I, I just thought, I was, like, oh you're always so cool and all that. And they're like the one Jenny's like embarrassed to watch herself. And I was like, I guess you, girl, I don't like it either. You know. No, uh, I know but...
0: that. I think that was one of the my favorite things about it is. Oh, I get a genuine sense that you all like each other to a degree, yeah. right? And I think that's really hard with manufactured bands. And I don't know what the BTS boys how they feel about each other. You know, like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know in twenty years if they'll like get together. But I feel like this group has a like a group text that they'll hit up. <laughs> you know,
1: that... i know i like looking at that stuff because i look back at even like you mentioned spice girls and i know it seems they all communicate for the most part sometimes victoria is a little removed from it and things at least with the recent tour and stuff but it's kind of fun that like you you go through this crazy thing together and unless there's some beef got dolls or something like that it's like once you've gone through what you what they've gone through like no one else can possibly understand going through that and so you kind of have this bond and i love the thought that they can continue on and remain friends after and i hope that these girls do I hope you I get
2: it, I, mean, I, I liked, you know, when they were even talking about. It, they're like the reason why we got picked was because we are willing to do what's good for the group. We weren't trying to compete with each other. You know, we were trying to make a group
1: good. There really didn't seem to be like a front runner, which is interesting because a lot of times in these groups, and at least in America, you look at Backstreet Boys and Seeing Spice Girls. Even you have your lead singers. And then you have the ones who harmonize. But it was interesting. It was like, and I liked that it was kind of TLC vibes, I guess, in the way where like you look at TLC and how they all, all three of them had a very distinct purpose in that group. As far as the type of singing, whether it was rapping, singing and style of voice was going and you, and you hear them all in their songs. And I loved that about
0: it it's really interesting something that just popped in my head talking about pussycat dolls because they were a manufactured group right they were
1: uh yeah yeah,
0: Yeah. and i remember there was this whole i mean just looking at the emphasis we we've had reality shows right that are competitions of like hey be in a group together do whatever together and i think we've tried it here and we've manufactured some successful Mm -hmm. groups but really over the last however many years we have shifted to this very individualistic competition style right your American idols your the voice I guess but we are putting this focus on manufacturing individual stars as opposed to this sort of Korean approach right now where it's like oh we're gonna make a group and sure. I, I yeah. do think there's a that is an interesting difference that it is I
1: think early 2000s became very much about the solo star and you had like you said American Idol things like that popping up. And then I feel like there was a small resurgence of groups. You know, we had, uh, what's it, One, One Direction came out, and then we had-
0: Jonas Brothers. But are, isn't One Direction British?
1: Oh, are they? Am I, like, crazy? I, I, I don't even know.
0: I think they're British.
1: And then there was the other group, Fifth Harmony. I guess I don't know if they were-
0: No yeah, they so.
2: Britain's Got Talent.
1: They, oh, okay, that makes sense. Okay, it, then, yeah.
2: Like, you guys should be in a group, and then they
0: were-
1: Right. Oh, okay. That makes sense then. I'm not sure Fifth Harmony, I guess I should look up. I don't know where they all sure. originated as far as their group went, but I felt like I started at least as an American audience member, I started seeing some groups kind of emerging more that were getting popularity, but then it feels like we've also still gone back again to, it's really just about, yeah, that solo start. It's interesting. And I don't know that I prefer one or the other. I mean, I, you know, if I I like the music, I like the music, but you know, so that's kind of where I'm at.
2: It's also sort of a cultural difference maybe too, like with the capitalist, like competitive nature, whereas like Asian Mm -hmm. cultures are more likely to be more
0: thoughtful for the group, right? I actually think it's a smarter hedging of your bets, right? Because I think it's more like, okay, well, if one of you is replaceable, you mess this up, we'll get rid of you. You're not the only person that this relies on, like...
2: Destiny's Child that all day.
0: Right. I was like, well, none of them are Beyonce, right? Like that's to the I'm point sure. of they're, they're equally like balanced as opposed to BTS. There are so many of them that I bet you, you could swap one out and like people would be upset, but then there'd be, you know, be like, okay, it's fine, whatever. As opposed to being like, there's only one Lady Gaga. There's only, and not that she's manufactured or comes from contest world. I, I think it's a, an interesting way to, from a business perspective to keep I really want to know if they get salaries now. Or I can. do too. I would love to know what they're- I
2: know.
1: Dana, it's like the Real Housewives, you know? It's,
0: it is. It's <laughs> like the Real Housewives. I was like, you can be me. You mean, are replaceable. You'll be replaceable, yeah.
1: And this will continue without you. So like yeah. fall in line in a, in a way, you know, but also it also maybe if you hate it and you just start being unhappy, maybe it kind of gives you the agency to be able to leave without letting the whole world down because they're still going to continue, you know? So yeah. that's kind of a cool thing too, if you look at it that way. We're going to take a quick break and be right back. Let's talk
0: about the Invisible Man.
1: Let's talk about your homework this weekend, yes. Let's talk about,
0: yeah, it's, it's only fair
2: this up a little bit. Dana hates horror movies. And so you might know this. And so we were all talking and trying to find a horror movie that would hopefully not give her nightmares for the rest of her days, but also be something that we could talk about in the, you know, the best month
1: of of October. Yes. It's it's spooky season.
0: It's spooky season.
1: It felt, it felt appropriate and we're here, we're doing these talks and it felt appropriate that Dana watched a horror film. And to my surprise, you know, as we talked about this, it turned out that you had seen many of the classic, classic ones that, that would have popped to mind, like a psycho or something like that, or even an exorcist, which I'm not sure I would have done that to you. And said, hey, <laughs> which I appreciate. That. But you had already seen it and I was like, oh, okay. Cause I was thinking more kind of, you had not, you just don't touch it. And I think that you had touched it a little bit and those are reasons why you don't touch it, <laughs> perhaps uh, in, in present day. But Invisible Man was one of the last films I saw before the quarantine all started happening. And I really, really, really enjoyed this film. I was thankful I got to see it in the IMAX. I thought this movie was going to be the worst thing of all time. Uh, I really didn't like the trailer. Had no faith going in and ended up loving it. And uh, I remember talking to Miss Jackie Mox about it and Jackie watched it.
2: Yeah, he talked me into watching it. I enjoyed it thoroughly, which was shocking because, you know, this redoing of Universal Monsters uh, so far has been very unsuccessful, in my opinion.
0: Shockingly enjoyed this one, though. Okay, so I have several pages of questions after having watched it. And then, full disclosure, I actually watched another horror movie after. Not by choice, per se. It was for review. We will talk about it when it comes out. But I did watch one after that I'm still under embargo under. And I hated it. And that one was more scary, scary, but also like not well done. And my, I think my I biggest-
1: movie. What my I know,
0: I think my biggest question, why do you like horror movies? Like, why do people like watching horror movies?
2: <laughs> I think it's the same thing. Like, why do people like roller coasters, right? It's the
0: thrill. You right? were talking to someone who hates roller coasters. So, yes, okay. Exactly,
2: right? So it's a simple thing, like the adrenaline rush. Okay. Uh, the heart pounding feel. That to me- is thrilling in a good way so for me i enjoy feeling the adrenaline i guess
1: I think I'm a bit of a sadist. I'm a bit of a glutton for punishment because first of all, most horror films don't scare me. And I'm not saying that like I'm some uppity thing. I am afraid of the weirdest, most random things in the world, as far as movies go, that other people don't find scary. And I oh, find I
0: thought you were talk about in real life too. Oh, well, that I'm is, still, well. oh, that like, is I know well. some of the things you're afraid of, and they still confuse me, but <laughs> no doubt, I'm afraid
1: of sloths, okay? Yeah, I hate sloths. Matt sloth. hates but
0: sloths and I. So
1: make a film about a sloth and I will think it's scary. So that is, that, is, that is a fact. But, but as far as films go too, like if you were to like go into the things that scare me the most as far as movies go, most people are like, that's not even a horror film. And I'm like, I don't know, it scared the crap out of me. So I will say, I like a jump scare. I think it's fun, but I like a smart horror film. And, I, and it doesn't have to have jump scares, although those are fun. Because I just, there's something about the edgier seat squinting, like, oh man, I don't want to look at the screen because it's just something's happen that just is adrenaline for me. And I am a button for punishment. The Conjuring, when that came out, I was so excited for that film, and I went at the LA Film Fest. I got to an advanced screening of it, and I lived down here by myself in Koreatown. And I was so excited for that movie. You're going to think I'm insane, Dana. And I am insane, but I actually unscrewed all the light bulbs in my house, in my apartment. It's this tiny little apartment. Stop. So that when I came back, I would be forced to be like terrified in the dark. And then Stop. I didn't get afraid of the movie. The movie, in fact, did the opposite for me. Like I actually really just don't love that film. It scared me so little that I actually came home, walked in, just went to bed, didn't even screw anything in. I just was like, forget, who cares? And then. -hmm. Day. but that's the kind of crazy I am
0: okay I also
2: think that like really good really good horror or at least the horror that I enjoy the most are also good mysteries for the most part and so they they lay groundwork they have red herrings and you get to figure out sort of who it is or what's really happening right and I've it's always a suspense. enjoyed it. it's a suspense. I've, I love suspense I love mystery so you know a good horror film in my opinion, has those things in it. And you know, I'm not a huge jump scare person either, but I mean, I like them fine. We go to Universal Horror Nights and I wouldn't say that I'm terrified the whole time, but you know, someone jumping out at you from behind a thing can be scary. Okay. Yeah.
1: I don't, know.
0: I don't think I'm ever gonna be one of those people. <laughs> so okay so i will say we've talked about sound and how it's, it's a big impact on like horror and stuff like that so i had to watch some of this with the sound off I, same goes for the other film i had to watch it like no no sound at all so i think that hopefully helped minimize the this, the terror that i would have felt and i'm i can't remember if i told you this before i watched the movie and i feel like i maybe i should have but because i didn't think i was ever going to see this movie I had someone tell me the ending or explain to me what the update was. So I watched this knowing what the twist was going to be, which is not quite fair, but I feel like also one of the only ways I was going to be able to palette this movie. So I spent most of the movie being like, well, how are they going to explain this? How are we going to get there? (laughs) And I think I still would have felt that way. I think I would have been more disappointed had I not known it going into it and then having it revealed to me organically within the film. Okay. So let me give my list of questions.
1: I hope I have answers.
0: Okay, Uh, obviously spoiler alert. Are we telling me that $5 million is really worth killing all of these people over? Or is this, are we like, is he truly playing mind games, right?
1: Oh, it was all a mind game. Okay. The $5 million was just to tie her to him. It wasn't about, and and the whole faking his- It was all the entrapment stuff. It was just about entrapment. It wasn't about nothing else. He's got so many millions of dollars, it's not, yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah, it was It was just about him controlling her. Yeah,
1: it was all about control. And I liked that as part of the narrative, that it was really this thing about just her trying to escape and find her liberation and him trying not to let her go. And I just thought that was like really...
2: Uh, the opening scary. sequence when she's trying to get away from him. I love you set the scene so well with very little dialogue. We knew exactly what was happening and we were stressed for
0: her.
1: And when she kicked that dog bowl, I, I think I jumped out of my skin.
0: One, one of my <laughs> other questions, one of my other questions is, does he also gain like super speed and super powers from using this, uh, I, if you haven't seen it, I guess we have to kind of give away the twists in order to like, he's not actually invisible, like in the other version. He has a suit made of magical cameras that somehow refract and reflect the light. Yeah. There were so many scenes in this where I'm like, you could not physically move that fast in order to do that right like there's oh god i hate also i have this thing about throats and so the fact that there was a bunch of throat cutting in this i was like no you know he would cut a throat and then put the knife in her hand really fast and i was like you can't move that fast that's not how fast a human being moves i think maybe i was also trying to like give myself plot holes in order to be able to sleep at night and be like that's impossible that's (laughs) ridiculous i mean there's always a level of suspension of disbelief yeah i know know. (laughs) i'd
1: probably be right i just i don't know i didn't really like I didn't notice that stuff in a way that I thought was totally inaccurate. But you could be totally right. The knife scene that you're talking about with the sister, I was so I busy was dying.
2: Just
1: in, like, shock. I that hated
2: happening. that. I hated I it so much. Much. Oh, I was I like, oh my I God, lived. I lost my shit. I was, I just, was, just, was like,
1: just like, I was like, this is elevated. This is just because <laughs> it was... let me tell you we have all seen a ton of movies and the movie that this looked like in the trailer which by the way was like hollow man or something like crap like that i've seen that this movie like i've seen it and so the fact that like it did so many things that kept on surprising me i was not surprised at the end of the day that he created a suit because they kind of they set him up to be this crazy tech guy so i was like okay that's what they're gonna do here he's alive they're trying to say oh he's a ghost but he's alive and it's like I don't know. I just, I wasn't surprised by that. But the little twists and turns like that, where you're killing off a main character, you're doing this and that, it kept me so surprised and engaged the whole time. And I that's where I gave it so many kudos. I was like, wow, you actually tricked me in certain ways. And yeah, yeah,
2: I feel the same. Like anytime yeah. a movie can do something that I'm not expecting it to do, I get really excited. <laughs> yeah. I read a read lot. All, you know, <laughs> I watch a lot of movies. So plots, my parents hate watching shows with me because I will guess what's going to happen you know, nine times out of 10 and they're always angry because they're like, shut up, stop it. Don't tell us, you know? <laughs> and um, so if, if you can, if you can surprise me, I
0: am very fond of you. That's fair. I, I hate watching shows with me because I can, I'm like, oh, I know what's going to happen. Yeah oh i I can guess so i'm with you i do like being surprised like it's It's a
1: burden to bear like we sit there and we can predict something we're just so
0: good at this we're so good at watching things (laughs) why am i so amazing why am i so smart you know how did he roofie her with the diazepam like, someone explain that to me.
1: The diazepam, she was he was giving to her when she li- when he lived with her.
0: But then she has that moment where she passes out at the job interview.
1: I think because he'd been giving it to her in incremental amounts. And I think that when he was clearly in the house and uh-huh. had been in the house, and he left the bottle on that sink, I think that we're, we're to believe that he had been putting it in things that okay. she would be
0: that giving, he'd been, like, you know in her breakfast or whatever. He had, yeah,
1: he had been in the house, you know. And, and we saw when she was cooking, and we saw him turn the fire up and the knife and this and that. So that he was around, Yeah. You know.
0: Speaking of though, again, in addition to does this suit give him superpowers, does it also mask his sound? Because there were moments where I was like, you're a human being. You're probably like, you're a fully grown man. You have to be making sound walking around. This isn't like a perfectly silently like, or there's like floorboards and there's like a ceiling. You yeah. know, why are people not hearing this person?
1: <laughs> yeah, that was one thing that I did think about. That was a little, that's kind of a suspension of belief thing. I could believe that the bottoms of this thing are manufactured in a way to be extremely stealthy. Okay, I could believe that because the whole point of having this suit and making something like this, he didn't make it for this sole purpose, right? This is something that he's been developing and it is probably for military use and things like that. So I could say, okay, with this science fiction world that we're living in where that's a possibility, I could understand that you could make the bottom of this thing where you're not going to hear the footsteps however yes like you're walking through house a house you're crawling around in the attic you're doing this and that there are just natural creaks and things that are going to happen and that is Part of it was like, okay, a little. Yeah,
2: and, but that was a suspension of disbelief for me. But there's was... a
1: time she'd be walking around and there would be little creaks, and it was like her walking that scene when she's in the room. And again, the camera work is something I loved about this because she's like in a room and then they'll use the negative space to just make you suddenly, as the viewer, just realize someone's there without a sound or anything like that. And I was like watching and be like, oh crap, yeah, I think he's standing in the doorway. And so when she'd go walking and she's looking to the house and then the door opens. I'm like, okay, when her footsteps are creaking a little bit, he's literally walking right behind her at her same pace, creaking with her. You know, like, I don't know. That could be making excuses. But yes, I could I could see that being a thing that's like, oh, okay. <laughs> good. You know.
0: Additionally, in what world does she live in in which you can get a car driver to drive you however many hours and then you'd be like, I'll be two minutes And then you spend like 20 minutes getting into a fight in your house and like digging around and the car driver is still there because I would like to hire that car service. (laughs) That's that's a five-star driver right there.
1: My thought is that if he was willing to drive her that far out of the city and he's this removed from everything that like she was his only hope of having a ride back that was gonna pay. So he might've waited the extra 10, 15 minutes being like maybe she's gonna come and if she didn't then he just ditched eventually. But then he has to drive all the way back without getting paid. (laughs) That was my only thought but yes that was a little bit of a plot point it was like oh okay
0: oh who has been feeding the dog that whole time
1: yes <laughs> i think because i think he's been going back and forth
0: and you don't think that she'd be like oh my god the dog's still alive
1: <laughs> she should have been yeah no you're right she should have been 100 percent yeah
0: why does storm reed only yell stop and not actually do anything to help her father from being strangled and beaten up She's-
1: She's a child. She's a teenager. She's she has scared.
0: pepper spray. She, she. I well,
1: yeah, but she was like when she got attacked, like she tried to fight back, and she was terrified and didn't know what to do and how to like, you know. So I don't know. I could, I, I could see that point, but I also could totally see like, none of us know how we would react in like that exact. You know, I know. I
0: know. That's that's type. just me being like. A jerk I love
1: it. the scene when when they're sharing the bed and that he's like walking on the sheets and you see the foot I mean man, I, yeah that you know, was
0: pretty creepy I give him that.
1: That, that I was like, I love this
0: yeah why do people in horror movies also always use knives like have you ever tried to use knife? like you are going to hurt yourself and only yourself yeah. <laughs> and, and especially the so big nice. chunky knives too like grab a little like paring knife or something you're less likely to stab yourself in that scenario it's
1: such a trope but then I'm also like if I'm in my house right now and suddenly the lights go out someone breaks in i hear someone breaking in i'm probably like ooh you know but, but
0: I'm not, I'm <laughs> you're like, gonna unscrew the light bulbs <laughs> and help them like <laughs>
1: yeah. i'm like okay what am i gonna do the most accessible thing i could find would be going in my kitchen and grabbing the biggest knife i have and maybe it's not smart but i'm not sure like what i have in my my original like my vicinity right here i've got arwen's sword had a thing in my closet i guess so i go get that but obviously
0: to- you get that
1: <laughs> but I have to go dig it's that out, you know.
2: Sharp though, right? I mean it
1: is pretty sharp. I actually cut myself one time an accident.
2: Yeah, I was just I'm thinking polishing I, it. I think the only weapons I really have, you know, beyond cats. You know, just throw the cats, cats. yeah, I agree. Except I'd be worried about them getting hurt. But but they're pretty good killing machines. Anyway, um <laughs> is is knives. I think I don't have anything else really. I
1: think that's what it is, is it's the thing that everybody has in their kitchen. But I
0: know, but why grab the big scary one that you're gonna hurt yourself on? Like get the manageable, like, steak knife, Forget get the,
1: like, yeah, no. we
0: too many horror movies, and we think that we can handle it. This is true. This is true. This is why everyone thinks they, like, know how to shoot a gun, and everyone,
1: and, like. And it's always, like, there's been those movies where, okay, it's about to be a knife fight, and you see someone has a knife, and then someone has the bigger knife, and you're like, oh, well, they're going to win. Like, we're just <laughs> I guess, I guess,
0: I guess there is something to be said for reach, but uh, my thing is always, like,
1: yeah. yeah,
0: why, are, you're going to hurt yourself. Yeah. I did think the thing with the coffee was a pretty clever, the coffee grounds.
1: Oh, when she's putting him on the ground. That's yeah. the thing is, I did think for the most part a lot of our decisions were kind of smart, which I appreciate about. I think she's a hero a, or heroine of the film. So yeah, well, I mean, but as a character, I just thought, you know, something else. A film that I don't love as a horror film, I'll say, *The Strangers*. Uh, I did not love the structure of that film, but I will say, Liv Tyler's character in that was doing all the things that I said, "Oh my gosh, do this, do that," and that, that's coming from someone who would go into the creepy basement. <laughs> I, I always say I would be the first to die in a horror film because I'm the one who investigates the creepy sound. Like, I'm not the smart, like, we should stare if not, I'm like, ooh, what was that? And I'm like, let me go walk down in this dank basement that has no one's been in for 40 years. But I watch a horror film and I, there's nothing I dislike more in a horror film than a hero or heroine who is just making all the dumbest decisions all the time just for the sake of us being yeah. scary stuff.
0: And then I think the other question is, there's that sort of fight at the institution and he takes out all these guards. Like, does he really just think he's gonna get away with this? Like, surely there's camera. You know, it's a it's a secured location, so there's gonna be security cameras. And I know they can't see him himself. Are we not going to investigate this whole, like, invisible man scenario? You know, our authorities, is he just uh, hoping that he's going to get away with this idea that I'm going to kill all these people? I mean,
2: he's obviously a a megalomaniac, right? So I I do feel like he does think he's smarter than everyone else in the room. And so I think he thinks even if they look for him, they won't find him.
1: I I could see that, Uh, you know, and and he's just like, well, yeah, you're never going to find me because I'll just put on the suit and, like, you think I'm actually dead. So at that point... He had his brother in the suit, and his brother actually ended up doing that stuff. And it's a thing where it's like the brother would take the fall for it, and then he can just live as invisible person.
0: I mean, do we really think that the brother was willing to take the fall for it? Like that, I think that that, that well, as the, a motivator was like really challenging had, for me.
1: I'm guessing that honestly, I mean, then this is just now crafting story. I have no idea, but my guess was he either thought the brother might end up. Dying as he did, or I could see him killing brother and staging it as the reveal of oh my gosh, look, this is what was happening. It was all this guy the whole time, mm-hmm. you know. I don't know maybe but no maybe. my
0: question is why did the brother agree to do it like why was he like oh. I'll do your dirty work for you Is I are think they that's... are we really supposed to believe the psychological hold on him
1: I think that he was entrapped in the same kind of way where he was just kind of completely maybe it was money motivated and everything and he was going to get a certain amount from Adrian or whatnot I don't know but yeah that but I mean as a brother as a brother I would never for a, one of my brothers like sorry <laughs> no right. I, like I, I
0: do it to like <laughs> save my sister's life for sure you know but I wouldn't do it to drive her crazy and I did I did like that about her as a character right like she wasn't under his spell but the fact that his brother is I'm like why have on you that would drive you to do that I I just found that a little bit flimsy
1: totally and and maybe yeah and maybe he did have something crazy on him but it could have been nice to learn what that was maybe you know or something there get a little yeah I I, I also
2: found that a little
1: yeah to kind of understand their motive more that's a yeah for sure.
2: I just couldn't figure out why he would do it, especially uh, knowing his brother's still alive and he won't get the money. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it was it was a little wonky. And then my last question is, what sort of monster burdens their police officer friend with the knowledge that they have, like, committed a murder on, on behalf, you know, like, why let him be there to witness that? So at the very end where she gets her rightful revenge, I was like, fine with that. I was like, okay, I like the way that this is set up. I like the way that she's using his own kind of creativity and and evil ploy against him. But then this man who has been nothing but nice to her and tried to support her or something like that, he is a police officer. And now he has to cover for her for the rest of his life or has to live with this knowledge that he knows, yes, this man was a monster and got his come up ins. but like
1: that's so subverting the but what i like about that i can re- i can i can appreciate that perspective but what i liked about it was that she never said she did it she didn't tell him she did it he doesn't know for a fact she did it he knows she did it but She's like, when she says, well, what did it sound like? He says, it sound like he killed himself. And she's like, well, yeah, yeah, bitch. That's the way I planned it. Like, it's a thing where he was supposed to stay in the car the entire time. And of course, yes, I agree. You're going to assume this is what happened. But the fact that she still did set it up to where he doesn't actually have to, he could say, I have, I firmly believe she did it. And here's why, if he had to someday, but he didn't see her do it. And he, in the in the video footage of him killing himself. So it's a thing. I, I know. That so- also,
0: it reminded me a little bit of, though, of the lie, where I was like, why, why do these oh. people think that we're going to, like, right. be able to live with ourselves and this information right. if this is something that's so core to your being, right? That, like, you have this sense of morality, you become complicated feelings on the police, but let's assume that this character became a police officer to serve and do good, right?
1: right. And now you're right.
0: being like, Hi, hey, I'm, uh, I'm going to fla- yeah. I'm basically going to flaunt being a criminal in your face yeah. a little bit.
1: And part of it, Part of it, and I agree, I don't like the disregard for his well-being at that point, but the part of it, too, is I guess watching this woman fight the entire film against oppression from this just awful, awful guy who's just done all these horrible things, I, I kind of liked getting to that point where she was, she's kind of corrupted now too as a person. Like that, that you don't just come out of that stuff unscathed and just totally undamaged and I'm rooting for her fully in this film, but she's kind of coming out of it and she's kind of, well, now this is who I am as a person and I went and did this to free myself and I had to think about me and nobody else in order to do that. And if she just went over there and did this without him monitoring in the car and killed him, I mean, I guess that probably still would have been effective because they could you know, if they could get to his cameras and see. Well,
0: the, yeah, but then also, you know, we would have seen the whole phone call play out and her back out of the camera thing. And I think that moment, sure. I think it was a good moment where she just goes from,
1: oh, no, help to stone yeah. cold killer. Yeah, no, you're like, right, though. As okay, I was good. saying, like, we had the camera. So as I was saying, he didn't have to be there. So I agree. That's that's sad but I, I she was think, just about her you know
2: she <laughs> was selfish a little bit but i also think that like she deserved a little selfish
0: in some ways like i don't i don't know i know i just i i'm like we don't think about the collateral damage it, it undermined her a little bit to me as a protagonist
1: and we uh, we are a group of post you know marvel civil war people and now we have to think of fallout about things you know we have to think <laughs> yes that- there are there is collateral damage to these decisions that that people make and our, our heroes in our films make and it's 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 very true and i didn't think about that so kudos to you <laughs> for ruining the whole film for me now.
0: you're welcome
1: <laughs>
0: as comparing it to the lie wasn't <laughs> enough to ruin the and whole that
1: film. was really careful i would like you to take that back but uh, <laughs> everything else is fine
0: this was not comparable to The Lie. No, this was, so this was much, much better than The Lie. Don't think I would have ever chosen to watch it on my own. I don't regret watching it, but I also, and maybe this is because I watched some of those parts. on. And part of it's like, I'm familiar enough with movies and horror tropes and stuff to yeah. know when like a scene is coming, right? And I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Time to right. mute that sound. And so I think I was able to manage my expectations on it. I definitely watched it during broad daylight. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. yeah so, I would say we With exception of something like the sister's death, things like that, most of the moments that were really tense and big, okay, something came, you kind of knew something was coming. Yeah. You know, so it was- Yeah, agreed.
2: But uh, I mean,
0: I think it's high praise saying that you didn't hate it. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Basically, I I think partially because I do like the technology spin to it only because it allows me to be like, this is absurd. Like- this is yeah. terrible. And I'm like, I'm not interesting enough of a person to have somebody use mega crazy technology to come and murder me. I right. can yeah. mentally write that off. But if it's like a oogie boogie man who's just murdering people blindly, then I'm like, oh
1: no, I don't like this. Yeah, because your imagination <laughs> went well. And that's yeah. exactly it too is I love the smartness of a, of especially a horror or suspense thriller film where putting the subtle sci-fi, not that it was subtle, but I guess you wouldn't say, oh, Invisible Man, that's a sci-fi film. Well, it is a sci-fi film because it's using science in a fictional way. We were, we were Trying to train to think sci-fi films are all just outer space and all this kind of stuff. But it is. And it's like when you put that in there, it kind of provides as a non-scientist myself. Yeah, okay. The idea of how the suit exists seems pretty crazy. But I'm also not one to be able to tell you that it's impossible that could ever exist. I have no idea. So it actually kind of allows for this little bit of suspension of belief around the entire thing. Yeah. And when you have that, I could see that being, yeah, it's if you're not thinking of it as like you're relating to it in a way where it's a fear you're actually having because if someone was in your house that was not a ghost you would see them <laughs> right so right so it's like I that and like I,
2: it didn't it didn't over explain either which i really appreciate I love that.
1: yeah i appreciate that too.
2: Horror. No, it um there's this like trend for horror lately where they just have to over explain everything and it drives me crazy
0: there was um, one moment when she
2: goes well he's a he's an expert in optics or something something yeah, something yeah. i was like okay know, like, you're, or, no, all yeah. right <laughs> like, like, but compared to yeah. some of the things you know absolutely absolutely
0: i it and was there were
1: little lines here and there but yeah for the most part it lets you as the audience member just kind of discover the story without getting completely spoon-fed every little detail that had to go into making it and I think on the broader picture Jackie you mentioned the universal horror remakes and stuff massive universal horror fan you know these original classics that I think just birthed American horror cinema, at least with sound, of course, so inspired by German expressionism and all kinds of other films across the world. They've tried to to go and kind of reboot these in different ways. And, you know, I have a special little place for the first two Brendan Fraser mummies in the 90s. Though they were super fun. Taking the mummy movie and saying, hey, now this is a conventional horror film, but now we're actually gonna make it into an action adventure. I thought it worked really well. I can't speak for the Tom Cruise mummy. I I avoided that at all (laughs) costs.
0: I didn't watch it. I watched that one. But I
1: know that they were, you know, putting in Russell Crowe as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and trying to build this kind of, they're calling the dark universe and making it this franchise where they're going to eventually remake them all. You know, we've had Bram Stoker's Dracula, we've had Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, different remakes in the 90s and 2000s, things like that, where they're just kind of one-offs. But this whole idea of franchising it and going down that road, Was cool, except I just thought that film looked so terrible and I couldn't do it. This I wrote off completely. I thought the trailer looked terrible, and even honestly, on, the Invisible Man's not even my one of my absolute favorites of those original, you know, horrors. But I went into it those expectations, ended up loving it, and I was like, you know, if they took all of those horror films and just now their remakes were going to be centered around being suspense thrillers, I would be here to see that that take on all of them. To be honest, I think that it'd be it's interesting because they're not all quite as suited for it as this might be, but. It's a different take and I haven't seen that on these other films when you talk about Wolfman and Frankenstein and Bride. And- I would
2: love to see a Bride or a Frankenstein that just a drama, a bride- honestly because it is more about like outsider than it is about a monster right so I mean it's about a monster but it would be interesting if you took the like more sort of dramatic side to it I think that would be really interesting. Yeah.
1: Mary Shelley's Frankenstein after Bram Stoker's Dracula kind of tried it and didn't really work well but but, but I think that they could do it.
0: It's funny that you bring up The Mummy like the the 1999 I think version because that movie actually scared the bejesus out of me and I can't remember what and I think I repressed it but there was a good portion where I was just like super freaked out by it and I don't...
1: It, it's moments.
0: Yeah, and I think it's partially because it's one of those like oogie boogie could happen to anyone moments and I was like, no, thank you.
1: You're we like, yeah, in this world where we're resurrecting mummies and they're coming to life and whatever, if that's the world we're looking at here, then who's to say who how they're going to target their victims? I mean, honestly, or, you
2: know? like in 2020, <laughs> please do not be
0: opening any tombs. It, which okay? they did. I was like, stop it. Stop it. Did you not learn?
2: Yeah, horror films that get me terrified are more like, A, I don't like to see the villain ever, basically. It's much more scary when I don't know what they look like. And then B, it's usually something more like, I'm more scared of like an evil type spirit than I am a monster.
0: Yeah, I think there are certain mon. I think it's all subjective for me, right? Like it depends on the monster. It depends on whatever. It depends on, I think, I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or we talked about it offline, but like Pan's Labyrinth scares the bejesus out of me. But it was something I was willing to watch because I was like, okay, this is also... Art clearly, <laughs> I was like, I can't not watch this artistry because everyone was talking yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> Skeleton
2: key, I find terrifying, and I know that that's not like high on a lot of people's lists. But being trapped in another body is like, oh god, I can't, I really, really hate that. <laughs> and then also, Oculus, I thought was terrifying. This like mirror, nope. don't like that,
0: don't like that
2: at all.
1: <laughs> now, Oculus didn't really scare me, but I it's one of my I love it so much. Big Mike Flanagan guy here, so I love that movie. But
0: yep, even talking about this, I'm crazy. like, no, I I am definitely not a horror movie person. I don't like. I don't <laughs> like the way this conversation is going. Like Invisible Man, I could handle, but going back to the Dark Universe that I think they announced they canceled. I, I feel like they yeah they did yeah
1: I, that um, was definitely an announcement, and then this film got greenlit as t- not part of it.
0: Well. Speaking of going back to our earliest part of this conversation, problematic people. I forgot that Johnny Depp was supposed to be the Invisible Man. As
1: I was gonna say, he was going to be it for the uh-huh. Dark Universe version. Yep. I remember that at least rumored, and and I remember thinking, oh, okay. And then, uh, yeah. Although Angelina Jolie one.
0: as Bride of Frankenstein would have been pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think she was on the list, right? And then, I don't even
0: uh, think it was rumored because I feel like they they did that photo shoot that was like.
1: Yeah, you know what? You're right. They did. They did, and maybe
2: it's on a cutting room floor somewhere, some of it.
1: Yeah, I remember they did do a photo shoot, and I forget who everyone else was. Now I want to know. No, i'm gonna look it up i think it was i think it's it was fury crow fury. as H-
0: jekyll and hyde he's
1: dr Jekyll because he was actually in the tom cruise moment oh yeah that. i
0: forgot about that I, I truly tried to
1: he was not going to necessarily get his own film but i guess was rather going to play kind of a nick fury in the way that he was going to kind of weave in and out of the films and kind of connect them from my understanding
0: yeah i think those were the only ones that had been announced okay
1: well oh no
0: whatever shall we do like what however shall um, we live okay. without those particular
1: sets i 'm okay without them, I swear I thought that they're still talking about a bride movie in the works, although i, I can 't imagine how you 're going to go do that without completely messing it up unless you do Frankenstein first <laughs> but yeah i don 't know we 'll see but it 's interesting to see like what this I, I think this was pretty successful for universal, so it 's interesting to see what the future of those films will look like because they have if they do them correctly i feel like they're sitting on a gold mine there with like those properties are just they're just so classic that you can if you go through and actually give them the right treatment they could have something really big if they do it right.
0: Well it's funny this was more along the lines of what i expect from bloomhouse right not just universal but i was like oh this is like more of a bloomhouse film than the lie which is why the lie when we talked about it felt like a very Sort of Amazon. just like, meh, throw, throw it at the wall, see what sticks type one. I was like, oh, this is one they clearly cared about. And then the other one is like, when they're like, meh, screw it, put it on Amazon.
1: They cared about it. And you know that it was written when it started. <laughs> and it was like, this is all, there was no, they had it at beginning, middle and end. You know, it felt and it felt like a, just a solidly, conceptualized film in that way and I appreciate that but I agree with that that's typically more what I would expect so yeah then something like The Lie from house which is why like you said I think that's we talked about last week about it kind of just going to Amazon and being like hey let's just do this thing and then these movies that we've been sitting on that we don't think are quite strong enough to release in the theater now we're doing yes yeah. I I don't know if I would wholeheartedly recommend it but I didn't hate it yes. so that's
0: yeah mm-hmm. I, I tried I tried I gave it my best I gave it my best oh, yeah.
1: I'm proud of you I'm proud of you and I'm happy that you went through and did it and I think you're going become, I mean, we'll have favorite.
2: to come up something. You have to make us watch. We'll
1: see. I, I think I make you watch stuff every week, so it's somebody else's turn. <laughs> like Jackie, yeah, I think no. the next
0: wild card is yours.
1: <laughs> I have not.
0: I <laughs> oh, oh, I, I got God, the look on, the, on your face.
1: Well, no, since we've been doing this, I haven't. I haven't put on anything that I felt that I was forced to watch, or it was like where if there was something that you love to talk, something that you loved that. I was like, oh, I just, I haven't seen that. I'm I no mean, we
2: watched that. some terrible things, but we all wanted to watch them. That's true. That's right. true. But I, I,
0: I, I no. the wild card hat to Jackie. I think Jackie gets to pick the next wild card
2: spot. Oh, oh my gosh. I, that's I mean, cool. I'm not prepared, but I will think about. it. Yes, yeah, so people will you have to tune
1: to in. Hannah, you be careful. We might. <laughs> I, I
0: know. I'm scared. I'm very scared. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thank you both. We'll, we'll tune in next week for some more watchings. All right. Thank you. And that is our episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've made it this far and you enjoyed the episode, we'd love it if you left us a review or a rating or even considered subscribing. Thanks so much and we'll catch you on the next one.